You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, March 15th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, especially on days like today, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball, FYI, Friars on Base, or just Baseball, which you could find most of my work and whatnot. Got a fun little piece coming out for that little website soon. <clears throat> You can follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for exclusively Padres content that I like to tweet a lot, a whole lot, blah, blah, blah. And you can also follow the podcast on YouTube to see me in my hood, because today I'm vengeance, ladies and gentlemen. Today I am sad, ladies and gentlemen. Lockdown Padres on YouTube. You get to see why I'm sad, and then you probably know, listening to this podcast, why I'm sad. We're going to be talking today about Fernando Tatis Jr., the face of the San Diego Padres, one of the faces of baseball, superstar shortstop, second, or was it third, in MVP voting. Let me check that right over here. Let me see. Yeah, he finished third in National League MVP voting. I forgot about um, Soto for a second. We're going to be talking about that, what it means for the Padres going forward, all the reports and all the drama today and why it is so depressing. And then also going to be talking about you know some free agency stuff because, believe it or not, while it is a really sad and tragic uh, incident that occurred there are some other moves that need to be talked about with in regards to the Padres let me let everybody know I am recording this on a Monday at 6 o'clock p.m. it's the only time that I have so if something does happen be clear just 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 know that if you get this at the boarding and something happens early tomorrow boarding that's why okay so take everything I say easily Fernando Tatis Jr. has a wrist fracture that he suffered apparently during the offseason um, AJ Preller said he initially hurt, now I'm reading from The Athletic via Dennis Lynn, Tatis initially hurt it in what he characterized as a minor motorcycle accident in December. He said he was just surprised when he began ramping up for spring training in recent weeks and the pain in his wrist became more acute. So, all right, this is obviously bad and it basically affirms there were some reports around Christmas, if I'm not mistaken, because I'm not entirely sure where Tatis was on vacation and whatnot, but he was, you know, hanging out, and then there was some reports from some, I forgot where it was exactly, but obviously not uh, some reporters that I saw here, not like your, you know, people that I usually cite on the show, like Kevin Acey and people like that, um, that said that he apparently got into a motorcycle accident. And we kind of glossed over it, because in fairness, it wasn't like this ultimate verified thing, and we were in the middle of a lockout, so it was hard to verify what happened but clearly there seems to be an issue there and even worse even worse is that and this is what's really been making the twitter raking around the twitter sphere making it around the internet is when asked when his motorcycle accident happened Fernando Tatis Jr. responded by asking which one that was his response ladies and gentlemen I've never done this in the history of the show never but Fernando Tatis Jr. That is a clown buffoon move. All right? You're telling me, on top of, you know, you're young, you make some mistakes, but on top of riding a motorcycle, which by in itself is already something that's like, you know, a little scary. It's not as uh, safe as a car, per se. I know that if you watch the Fast and Furious movies, you might think that it's safer than a car. 
all right? But it's not. It's not like it was, you know, he played basketball and he was hooping and accidentally just a freak weird injury and he sprained his ankle and he might miss the opening of the season or something like that, right? No, not playing like that. Multiple motorcycle accidents, apparently. If, if we are to take him by his word by at when him saying, which one are you speaking of? That's the situation we're dealing with here, guys. So Fernando Tatis Jr., and this is a thing that I have to cop to. I was really annoyed by the sort of label of injury prone. I thought that it was way too early in his career because, yes, he had the shoulder injury. And yes, he had that injury his rookie year. And yes, he had the new shoulder injury. But And also, in fairness, the shoulder injury was something that everybody acted like was this known thing. Right? That right when it happened, everyone was like, well, we knew he had a shoulder problem. I was like, no, we didn't. We didn't think it was that bad. Yes, that is true. But I kind of pushed back on the idea that he's injury prone because I was like, this is it's just too early in a career. Manny Machado, our beloved third baseman, once upon a time, if you want to pull up the games that he played, which I'll do right now, he was a little bit more injury prone. There are plenty of guys that get hurt early on in their career. It could be pitchers. You know, pitchers, you know, are getting Tommy John surgery all the time and whatnot these days, especially. But it's not necessarily a sign that you're injury prone in in the grander sense, right? Yeah, he starts out 51 games for Baltimore, then 156, then 82, right? Like, he hurt himself, and I was like, uh-oh, I don't know, man. You know, what's going on here? And then he ends up being basically one of the most healthy players in baseball, right? So, it was a little bit too early. That being said, now he has the wrist injury, uh, a wrist fracture on his left wrist, and I can't defend him against that. I cannot defend you against this, my man. You know what I'm saying? This is an absolute... It isn't the worst-case scenario, for the Padres, there are much worse things that could have happened. But for a team that has to compete and is competing probably for now, this is not a rebuilding team, right? This isn't your Cincinnati, who we'll get into a little bit later, right? You're not rebuilding. And on top of that, you have arguably the two best teams in baseball in your division. I know a lot of people are expecting the Giants to regress. I am too. But what if their regression is like, all right, they won 107 last year. What if their regression is like, oh, they're only, they'll win 94? That's still a really good team on top of the fact that they're bringing in Carlos Rodon, which terrified me, right? So if you take that into account, this is a team that can't afford to lose some of its best players when you take into account its division. I know there's an extra playoff spot, but even still, hopefully Tatis can get back. And this is a wrist. This is separate than that shoulder thing, which he apparently still didn't get uh, surgery for the last time I heard. Which And the shoulder thing is something that they could just flare up at any point with him swinging the bat. Not like a freak thing where, you know, someone gets hurt, they're running the bases, and a new injury pops up. It's just like, you could just be swinging the bat, as we saw last year, and get himself hurt. So on top of that, now we have a wrist issue. It is a sad day for the Padres. I'm very disappointed in Fernando Tatis Jr., who I've defended through thick and thin. I imagine everybody else has. Through all the dumb stuff about unwritten rules. He is swagtastic. Everybody knows that. But it's also like, wow. Like, way to kind of, you know... I don't want to say selfish, but just not have your wits about you. You know what I'm saying? This is a really, really big deal, and I don't know exactly what the Padres are going to do in terms of going forward, knowing that they have this giant investment in a player that just can't seem to stay healthy. Yes, it's early in the grand scheme of things, in that 14-year deal or whatever, but even still, it's a really, really depressing sight to behold. And now you have... Uh, you know, we're wondering who's going to play shortstop for the Padres and what have you. And before we talk about that, though, before we talk about, like, the impact of the, that this is going to have on the Padres going forward and what have you and how apparently Fernando Tatis Jr. has the same IQ as Luffy now and is just a buffoon except that the latter actually has superpowers, so he's fine. Before we get into all that, guys, 
before we get into all that, let's talk about betting. Because let's be honest, predictions and whatnot, we're going to be talking a lot about predictions because I got a bone to pick with predictions and stuff in a little bit. But betting, it is all out there. You know, everybody knows sports is so big on betting right now. And it's that time of year, everybody. You know, baseball is coming up soon. But you know what's coming up like right now? College basketball. That's right. March Madness, ladies and gentlemen. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. It remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And obviously, not just about college basketball. They've got you covered with all of your sports, from hockey to football to to basketball. Maybe you want to vote on who you think is going to be in the MVP. Is it going to be Embiid? Is it going to be Jokic? Maybe Curry will sneak in there. Maybe DeRozan. I don't know. Whoever you think it's going to be, right? You can get to betonline.net and they will give you the odds and live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games they got you covered with. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. All right. But you know, no, no. Before we get into the impact on the Padres, because you got to drink water when you get into stuff like this. Because this is where it, where it gets a little bit rough. Checking out The Athletic, and I didn't really see any new insight. Didn't uh, My folks at Just Baseball, same thing. Who is going to replace Fernando Tatis Jr. now? All right. I already talked about how much this impacts the team, given the strength of their division. But we have to talk about what does this mean for the team going forward in terms of who's going to play shortstop, right? We still have to see how things shake up. It was reported, and I'll get, again, I'm going to get into my beef with reports in a little bit. It was reported that the Padres are aggressively shopping the ground ball gremlin, the first baseman who must not be named, and Will Myers. Okay, so again, take this all. I don't know what's going to happen by the time you guys necessarily watch this. You take that into account, all right? That probably means that if they were able to move the ground ball gremlin, maybe he they put Jay Cronenworth at first base, unless they bring in an outfield bat, whether it be Bryant, whether it be Castellanos, whether it be whoever the heck, right? Whoever the heck. That that means that now you have to figure out shortstop. And the way I see it is that there's a couple options. Jerks and Profar still on the team. If they need him at a second base, if they need him to fill in for somebody at some point, I get that. Jay Cronenworth, though, should be the expected to be the primary second baseman. Um, the two options that I would expect, again, depending on how things shake out, Cronworth moves the first, et cetera, et cetera, is that it's probably going to be uh, down to Hassan Kim and C.J. Abrams, right? Now, C.J. Abrams, the top prospect for the San Diego Padres, um, but he has not played much above double A, and he is coming off a little bit of an injury, so I'm not... I don't know if they might say, you know what, let's bring him up. He's a top-level prospect. Let's see what he's made of. But again, you know, what we've seen with the Padres before when it comes to player growth and whatnot, hey, they did call up Luis Campizano probably a little bit too early at the beginning of the 2021 season, and he struggled mightily. Again, Abrams, not too much above double A ball. He does have super high upside, and he is basically, according to everybody, a top 10 level prospect in all of baseball, so he's really exciting. But even still, uh, I don't think that you should necessarily expect him to play that. So that leaves Hassan Kim. Hassan Kim was pretty disappointing last year. He was pretty disappointing, and I think that it, there was some level that should be expected. He has a quick swing and all that, but he had never really met, you know, met the kind of velocity levels of the 98 mile per hour fastballs in Major League Baseball coming from the KBO. He was able to take a decent amount of pitches every now and then, but he just wasn't making contact. His pull percentage was among the highest on the team. Everything was going to left field. That's not good. He was pulling it way too much, right? 
But he was a very, very, very good defender, which is the saving grace about him, which is probably what gives him some value. Yes, that four-year, uh, what is it, $22 million, $25 million deal, or so I don't have the numbers right in front of me. But um, that that's kind of, I just got a news alert. I got I, I, If I look down, by the way, guys, and I stutter, it's because I'm getting alerts and I just have to see if something breaks live on the podcast, right? Um so Hassan Kim at least is going to give you value there. And that's one thing that he immeasurably showed to be better than Fernando Tatis Jr. at, right, is defense. So if he can get a little bit better offensively, I'd like to see what happens in spring training. Has he improved at the plate? Is he going to be able to be a guy that, hey, if he could be as good as Jerks and Profar is batting, which isn't very good, but provide all-star defense, there's worse spots to be to be in as a franchise, especially considering that you have C.J. Abrams waiting in the uh, in the wings and whatnot, and then you have Jay Cronenworth if you have to move him there, and depending on what moves they make, you can move him around and whatnot. So it's not the at least the Padres are at least like they have some plans of contingency. They have some things that they can do to replace Fernando Tatis Jr. But nonetheless, it still makes you nervous because you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, I mean this guy was one of the main reasons that we were still in the race last year, that we even survived as long as we did. Like I said, third in National League MVP voting, when he was healthy and on the field, he was great. And in fact, I think his bad defense was actually over-exaggerated. I think that that was a lot of Dodgers fans. I think that was a lot of Nationals fans and Trey Turner, right? I think that he's not a great elite shortstop in terms of his glove, but he's certainly not, you know, Corey Seager. Corey Seager's pretty bad. He just got paid like $300 million and no one's talking about that. So I would not be that concerned about that, but even still, Hassan Kim can at least play defense, and I'm curious to see if he can get better offensively. I'm just not ready to give up on the guy. He had flashes. He had a stretch last year. It was around like August, or maybe not August. It was around like like June, July, or something like that. I don't have the numbers in front of me where he had like a little bit of a hitting streak because he wasn't an everyday player. He's got some speed on the base paths, which is good, and I still think that there's a hint of power there. So if this guy could give me, just imagine like a 250. 330 slash line, maybe a little bit of pop, maybe give you like even 15 bombs, 10 stolen bases, run decent for you, and play elite gold glove kind of caliber defense. That's an excellent replacement for Fernando Tatis Jr., given what you have right now, unless you're able to make some other moves. That's what we got to talk about now, okay? Let's talk about what the other moves that the Padres are rumored to be making are. All right? Let's talk about that. Before we talk about some of the, the final deals, you know what I'm saying, that were made, because there were a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, free agency frenzy has kicked off. It has absolutely kicked off. Um, one of the bigger rumors is that the Padres are interested in Seiya Suzuki, the star out of Japan's Nippon Baseball League. He's been killing it. A lot of people are saying that he's the next Hideki Matsui type of player. He's the next great J Japanese product out of that league. You know what I'm saying? It's Whether it's Ichiro Suzuki, whatever. Maybe he's not Shohei Otani or anything like that. Maybe he's not going to be on that level of a Suzuki or even a Matsui for that matter, but he is expected to be a really good player, hit for decent amount of power. You can check out a preview uh, for the site that I write for on Just Baseball on Seiya Suzuki. Um, but basically, as I started recording this podcast, uh, Seiya Suzuki via his Instagram feed, very hilariously actually, basically shut down the rumors. Um, about um, that a deal was kind of imminent, right? And this is something that was kind of being reported by Kevin A.C. of the San Diego Tribune, who I like very much. Uh, and then there's this Snapchat on his story. You guys could see it right now or whatever. I mean, just, just go Google it if you're watching on YouTube. That's probably easier. There have been several reports that I've made my decision, but none of that is true. My facial expression is how I feel right about now. And it is him with a sprite on his uh, in his right hand, 
and he's holding up to his head going like, ah, like he's like frustrated and like just like going nuts trying to make his decision, I assume is what he's vibing for. And that just shows you that, guys, you got to take all these rumors and reports with a heavy grain of salt because we don't, and it doesn't mean that they're lying or they're misleading you. It just means that interest and checked in on and discussions. What does that mean? Did you mean you have a phone call? Everybody's probably having phone calls with everybody right now. Right. So I don't necessarily know that, um, you know, that this is um, something that you have to totally cast aside entirely. But you do have to look at it and be like, well, I don't know exactly what this means and whatnot. Now, if the Padres were to sign Seiya Suzuki, which I would have to believe that at least they're in, you know, they're at least among the people that have checked in and whatnot. I've heard around five years, 70 million is kind of the asking price for him right now. And that's something I'd much rather do than what Nick Castellanos likely is going to get given his poor defense. He is an awesome bat and probably ex- would be expected to be a better bat immediately than Seiya Suzuki uh, coming over to the American League, or in this case, the National League, I'm sorry. But even still, I just like five years, 70. I feel like it gives you a little bit of room for a Padres team that's fourth in payroll and still is spending a lot of money out there, including money for a player who's going to be out three months right now, right? So I would not blame them for wanting to save a little bit and getting a guy like i said hideki matsui that sounds fun that's basically all the comparisons that i've been seeing right and just for just kind of an idea of what his slash line looked like last year he hit 317 with a 433 on base 636 slugging percentage 38 home runs 64 extra base hits 88 rbis 79 runs or 77 runs only 89 strikeouts over 538 plate appearances he was awesome you know what i'm saying he was awesome he was worth 8.4 war uh, right last year. But, you know, we have to see exactly what could be expected with him. Maybe he's a guy that hits like 270 with a 340 on base and hits for power. Maybe, But even still, that that's pretty good. Maybe he'll be better of a defender. So I would love a signing of Seiya Suzuki. Especially because I don't think he's going to cost nearly as much as a Chris Bryant and as a Nick Castellanos. But again, we'll have to see. But man, it would be fun. I know we everybody saw like you Darvish and him were hanging out. Like it would be such a fun personality. He seems like a funny guy too. I'm not just like, like seriously, like that picture of him like this. Like I, I've seen a lot of stories. There's a great profile in the Athletic that I recommend everyone checking out about him, where he's he's closing his lips about whether or not he's made a decision on where to sign. So I would love Seiya Suzuki on the Padres, but I don't know exactly um, how likely it is because clearly, based on reports. Hard to totally trust everything that's going on. But you know what you can trust, guys? You know what you can? You know what is trustworthy? How good built Bars are. The best protein bars in all the land, ladies and gentlemen. This is the time of the year that I gave up on my New Year's resolution. You know what I mean? I know we're in March, and you might be thinking, damn, like, you actually survived a decent amount of time. Well, seriously, March is usually when I mess up a little bit and start going off the rails, right? But what I love about built Bars is they help satisfy that sweet tooth when it comes knocking at your door. That's what I love about them so much, guys. Check out the macros for these things. Most built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and about 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And you're killing it, man. It's just better for you. It's healthy for you. And it tastes great, covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And even better, variety, baby. Variety. That's what I love so much about it. You know what I mean? Just how you have to have a variety of players on your baseball team that are good at different areas. Well, they've got white chocolate cookies and cream this month, right? Coconut almond, mint brownie, coconut. They've got a, 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 
uh, uh, what is it called? Eggnog flavor, right? It's honor of Christmas for back in the day. That, that just illustrates to you that they make flavors that for everybody. They've got all sorts of favorite flavors. Personally, I like Apple Almond Crisp. My mom, she loves Cherry Barcia and the Lockdown Folk Coconut Brownie Chunk. All right, just you just want some other recommendations, you know what I'm saying? But what are you guys waiting for, man? Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I just want to reemphasize, guys, thank you for making Lockdown Potties your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right. Let's finish up the chat. And I want to finish up the chat by talking about some of the big moves that have transpired because, like I said, free agency frenzy has actually really actually kickstarted, right? We had some deals over the weekend where you had Carlos Rodon, you know, signed with the San Francisco Giants, two years, 44 million. That was a little bit of a bummer because the Giants are already going to be tough. And I hate to imagine how they're going to be with Carlos Rodon, who I think is a really high upside pitcher who was, when healthy, very, very good. But let's talk about the rumor mill a little bit. No hate to Kevin AC, but it, he was saying, hey, it's, you know, the Padres are, they're expected to, to, they're really in there. You know what I mean? They're really in the in the mix. And then Seiya Suzuki comes out and is like, that's not necessarily true. Now, I don't want people to start being mean and saying that you can't trust reporters because, you know, Jeff Passan is, seems to be one of the only guys of ESPN where, like, when the deal happens, that that's the only thing that he'll report. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't do all the little, like, leaks and here's the rumors and who's talking to who. When he tweets it out, that feels like it's basically guaranteed. And especially when it came to, like, lockout news. You know what I mean? Some people were like, ooh. They're meeting at 1.30 in the morning, and he was like, guys, this ain't happening. You know what I'm saying? So that didn't happen immediately. But I will say that when it comes to all this stuff, you know, you have to keep in mind that, you know, I don't think it's a necessarily a great thing, by the way, just to get on my journalism rant for a little bit, that Jeff Passon's like the only one that everyone wants to trust. It's not a good thing. And I imagine that the ACs of the world, the, you know, everybody from the athletic to local places, uh, you know, whatever local newspaper you have that they're trying to get out there and get ahead of a story that way they can attract viewership and whatnot, even if it means they're only 95% sure that it's like 100% legit. So this is what happens sometimes, right? So take that and understand, guys, why some of this happens. And it does not mean that they are lying to you. It just means that you have to gauge things properly. Just because they talk to him does not mean that they are necessarily going to sign him. That being said, I was very frustrated yesterday or two days ago now when it was announced that Nelson Cruz was signing with the Washington Nationals on a one-year $14 million contract. Why? Because it was originally being reported by some people that it was between the Dodgers and the Padres about six hours earlier. And they said, this, this is a decision. You know what I mean? It's going to be a decision between these two. And all of a sudden, it's the Nationals, which is a team that's tanking and isn't really going for anything. Clearly, this seems like a move where they're bringing him in. He wanted to go there probably because $14 million is a lot for one year. And they said, we'll give that to you and we're going to try and flip you at the trade deadline for some prospects and some ammo and what have you, right? Okay. That's what they were thinking. Smart, savvy move by the Nationals, but it just shows you. It's like six hours later, right? Over the weekend, Freddie Freeman, I believe it was on Friday, they were saying, it's close. It's allegedly between the Dodgers and the Braves, right? That's who it's between right now. Dodgers, Braves. And a decision is expected. I don't know if it was Jesse Rogers who tweeted this out. I forgot who it was exactly. John Morosi actually was the one who kind of put this out there that it's, it's a decision is imminent within the next 24 hours. 48 hours later, we don't hear anything. And by the time I start recording this podcast, and still likely when you guys watch this, uh, we still don't know where Freddie Freeman is going. So this is all to say again, be careful, 
ladies and gentlemen. It's really frustrating. Uh, I thought Nelson Cruz would have been a great fit for the Padres. A low-end, one-year deal for a guy that's just going to hit bombs and be a great veteran kind of clubhouse presence, I think. And I think that that's kind of important, especially a veteran clubhouse presence that doesn't give you a 0.0 F4 for the year. But... Nelson Cruz, I just thought that that could be great. Maybe he would even take some days where he'd play first base. He could do that. Love that he's very, very attentive to his sleep schedule and his like eating habits, and that's why he's been able to be around for so long. I just like the low-cost deal. You know what I'm saying? If it doesn't work, it's okay. Maybe you trade him away to a team at the deadline. If the team thinks you're not committed to this guy for so long to the way you can't adjust and be flexible. That's why I would have loved the Nelson Cruz signing. But instead, Nationals, similar in a vein probably to what the Diamondbacks did with Mark Melanson giving him a little bit of a deal. That way he can perform well for them and then they can trade him at the deadline for some prospects, for some ammo, for some assets, right? Okay, so that's one move that happened. Then another move that happened that I just thought was very funny, Yankees trading away Gary Sanchez uh, for Josh Donaldson and Gio Urshela, by the way. They trade Gio Urshela too. Uh, I just thought it was funny because Josh Donaldson has been very vocally against Garrett Cole, star pitcher for the New York Yankees, and now he's on his team. Whether or not it's a good move for the Yankees, I don't know. They are going to be paying Josh Donaldson a decent amount of money, but he is a very good bat. Still hitting the ball hard. And yes, he strikes out a decent amount, but he walks a decent amount too, and he hits the ball hard. If he wasn't a third baseman, I'd be kind of rooted for him to be on the Padres too. Uh, Maybe as a DH, heck, maybe as a DH. But uh, interesting move. I just thought it was funny that now those two are going to have to figure out how to like squash their beef and whatnot. So that's that's really fun. But uh, the most important thing that I want to pull out of this is, again, with the reporting stuff. No one was talking about Gary Sanchez and um, Gio Urshela being guys that could potentially be moved. You weren't even getting rumblings of it. Yeah, you might have been getting rumblings like earlier last year about Gary Sanchez as the Yankees fans hate him and he's, you know, a guy who's terrible defensively at catcher. Yeah, sure. But even still, it's not like it was being rumored and reported as much. I mean, we, we, we got less rumors about this thing happening than Freddie Freeman and he still has a sign. And speaking of something, though, that actually was rumored, the big trade that happened yesterday, Matt Olson was traded to the Atlanta Braves. This does potentially have some Padres implications. They sent a whole bunch of people back. Christian Pache, Shea Langliers, like their top prospects and whatnot. It means that with a star-level first baseman with some years under control, they could probably extend him for less. It probably means that Freddie Freeman is gone, most likely, which is a little bit sad since he means a lot to those folks in Atlanta. My heart goes out to you, but at least you got a World Series out of it. Um, it is likely, and because of what we've heard, but again, these are just reports, guys, so don't freak out, don't punch your computer, I still want you to see my brilliant face talking about Padres with you guys, uh, or listening, if you break your phone, or whatever you're listening on, uh, maybe he's heading to the Dodgers, and that's the Padres implication, the, the Dodgers have been interested, you know with Max Muncie out that they'd love to go in and get a first baseman, Maybe not, though. They do have a higher payroll. Will they go even, even more for Freddie Freeman, or will they just say, let's sign Anthony Rizzo instead, right? I would not like that either because I think Rizzo still has a little bit left in the tank, but I'd certainly prefer that over Freddie Freeman, who I think is going to be a monster, at least at the beginning of whatever monster deal he uh, signs with whatever team chooses to sign. Or maybe the Blue Jays? Blue Jays could be a team? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'd love for the Blue Jays. That would make that team so lit, by the way. That team is already pretty lit. Uh, um, But anyway... So that has an impact on the Padres for sure. And then the last thing that happened was Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez from the Cincinnati Reds were traded to the Mariners. They gave up some prospects and whatnot and starter Jake Fraley. Uh, Again, I just want to reinforce, doesn't affect the Padres, but it's just, again, saying it's not something that was being reported on. I did not hear one thing about Jesse Winker. 
The only thing I heard about Eugenio Suarez was from fans because they were so annoyed at him hitting like, you know, below 200 last year and not playing a great glove. Right. But they got him gone, I guess, you know, would surprise fans. But Jesse Winker, he performed at a little bit of an MVP uh, level at one point. Uh, at least in the first half of last season. So that's a really fun move for the Mariners. Uh, the Mariners, I think I'm close to naming them as this year's non-Padre team you root for. They're in the American League. They have a hipster vibe to them. They had the Believe signs from um, Ted Lasso, which is a brilliant, brilliant show uh, that I imagine maybe some of you listeners and viewers have seen. If you haven't, get on that. Season one is magical and will make you feel awesome inside um the the we believe mariners and they have all these random players they have a former padre too right you want to root for ty france there you go and then they've got mitch hanniger they've got some really high level prospects like julio rodriguez right and emerson hancock and then they've got they just signed robbie ray to a big deal who he's a funny guy because we you saw him pitching against the padres we killed him and then all of a sudden he figures out how to be a sayog winner so there's like this fun quirky idiosyncratic vibe to the mariners right now and i really support them so definitely that might be the team to root for absent the padres this year um but that's basically it that's basically it, guys. Um, we're going to have to see. There are still names out there to be interested in. There are still outfielders out there. Jorge Soler is still out there. And if you want to just talk about headlines, that was a big headline guy. World Series MVP and all that, right? And, of course, still very curious to see where Chris Bryant goes. Still curious to see where Carlos Correa and Trevor Story go. I did see on Twitter someone, Giraffe Mark, who's a popular YouTuber in the baseball sphere, talk about what if the Padres signed Trevor Story and my thing is, I don't know, because I don't know if he's looking for a multi-year deal. And then you can't, because then it'll create a little bit of a, a, of a cluster bump. You know what I'm saying? Because then what happens? You move Hassan Kim around. That means where does he play? Jay Cronenworth goes to first. Okay, cool. Then where does the ground ball gremlin go? Does he play DH? Because then that's another problem, because that would make him probably the worst DH in all of baseball with uh, what he uh, usually adds. Unless he, for some reason, does better as the DH. Not impossible. Maybe he figures it out. Uh, hey. I'd be willing to try it. I hope they at least at some point this season try that out with all the players that they have in that infield. They have a really stacked infield right now. Um, but again, the bigger things that everybody should be uh, rooting for as Padres fans, in my opinion, not giving out a huge contract to Castellanos and hopefully addressing and adding a little bit of outfield depth. Brian Reynolds is the dream. Would you trade CJ Abrams for him? I would. I would, honestly. At first I was a little bit nervous, but nah, I'd do it, man. He's got four years of control. He's a great defensive player. He's an outfielder, which the Padres need. You have him in left, Grisham in center. Then maybe when Robert Hassel is finally ready, who everybody I talk to, top-level prospect, and he's only going to rise even more. Great draft pick by the Padres. If he's only going to get better, Hassel, Reynolds, Grisham, especially if Grisham can improve the way I think a lot of people are hopeful he can, it could be a dynamic outfield. So I would absolutely do that uh, in a heartbeat. I think that'd be fun. But don't get your hopes up too much, guys, because as I've been saying for most of this episode, reports are weird and with that all being said guys that about does it for today's edition of the lockdown padres podcast the only pod that may be better than the padres themselves uh be sure to go check out lockdown mlb prospects and lockdown mlb this week because they're going to be talking about all the trades in general if you want to have a little bit more in-depth conversation about the non-padres stuff and especially these prospects that are moving around be sure to go listen to that but of course, find my podcast uh, everywhere where you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and at L-O underscore Padres on Twitter. Guys, it was really rough, but remember, I have my hood on right now. You can't give in. As Batman said at the beginning of the new Batman movie, you just you have to do better. You have to try harder. You have to keep going. We must become vengeance, ladies and gentlemen. 
The night is darkest before the dawn. They, that's what they say. Is the dawn coming? Not totally sure. Not totally sure. But we must become vengeance, ladies and gentlemen. Don't give up the hope. Keep the faith. Onwards. And until next time, stay safe and of course stay faithful. Our fire faithful enemies. Take care.